Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. It's me, Matt. Hi, it's me, Chris. How you doing, Chris? I'm all right. You all right? Yeah. Kept yourself busy in these dark times? I haven't really noticed. It's not had a huge impact on my life. I'm a bit of an indoorsy kind of soul. I'm not one of those people that rushed off instantly to Mount Snowden as soon as they heard about the virus. So... I'm fine, and you? I'm very busy at home teaching two young children how uh, you know the ways of the world um, as they're not at school, and it's completely hectic and crazy. I must say, are you planning on giving the kids back to their parents at any point, or they? <laughs> no, they are mine. But um, here we are, still recording, which is the main yeah. thing. People still need podcasts, Matthew, don't they? And the good thing about this is that even though no new films may ever be made again. Mm. There are plenty of shit ones out there for us to get our teeth into. Yeah, and this episode is like all the other ones <laughs> in, <laughs> in that respect. But this time, we've got Sabina Stent on the show, an arts and culture f- and film writer. Um, so we got to talk one about one of her guilty pleasures, which was Queen of the Damned. Is this a, a direct sequel to Interview with a Vampire? Or was it just within the same universe? Same universe. But we, we do get, oh. touch on this a little bit because obviously it's written by the same author. But it's a very different take on aspects of the novels that were written. Is, essentially. is Lestat in it? Correct, he is. But it, it's, it's odd. You have to see it to believe it. It's a very strange movie, but an enjoyable, campy, gothic watch as well but Sabina quite rightly uh, defends its honour so here's the interview hello and welcome to the bunker Sabina Stent thanks for joining us today hi thank you for asking me on this will be fun what film did you choose to dive into I chose uh, 2002's Queen of the Damned Before we get into the nitty-gritty of uh, Queen of the Damned, which there's plenty to talk about, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do? Yeah, um, I'm a writer. I'm a freelance um, arts and culture writer, and I write about um, a lot to do with um, women in art, women in surrealism, old Hollywood movies, um, pop culture, a lot of pop culture, and a little bit of everything. I've got a very wide range of interests, <laughs> mm. uh, which often intersect and overlap, which is great. So yeah, you can, and you can usually find me talking about one of my <laughs> interests at any given time on Twitter. So where did it all start with specifically, I guess, vintage movies, if you, for want of a better word? How did that um, kind of interest you? It was always something that was shown in my house um, growing up because my parents love old Hollywood. Um, so I grew up with a lot of Betty Davis films and Humphrey Bogart and Lauren McCaw and James Dean and, and people like that. They just were always, you know, sort of a presence, if you will, mm. <laughs> uh, when I was a child. So it's something that I can never really remember um, being introduced to specifically i mean there have been obviously there have been been actors that you kind of through through that you find you know you discover yourself but mm. the actual um class, loving classic movies it's, it's just it's just always always been there what would be your go-to old hollywood movie that we, you would put on to sort of get yourself out of a funk oh, oh this is really difficult i love i love something like usually something like All About Eve yeah. um, or Sunset Boulevard, I think, which is fantastic. Um, as if, you know, both of those are, um, are favourites. Um, even something like To Have and Have Not, 
Um, but I love, for, for getting out of the funk, something like the Marx Brothers, you can't go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely just mayhem of the, the best kind. There is something very warming and, and uh, easygoing with these, with these old, the old black and white Hollywood movies. And you, it's not something I def- would definitely sort of steer towards, but sometimes mm-hmm. I find myself sitting happily, having sort of flicked over on Channel 4. They usually have an afternoon movie, don't they? And you kind of, yeah. get, you kind of get sucked into it. And just the classic way of filming it and the performances, it's just a very... Well, it's not nostalgia for me because obviously I wasn't born, but it was. A, it, it, there is something very comforting about that type of cinema. I think, especially something like the, the era of the forties or mm. something. Like that, I think even like visually, it's such a feast because you've got some fantastic fashion and costume. Because costumes are another one of my interests. So you have some, you know, these beautifully, beautifully tailored outfits and this high glamour, which is just, you know, you're you're watching something and you're like, you know, they look. Everyone looks so good. They look so good when they're just meant to be lounging around at home yeah. and. And you feel quite ashamed when you're you're just you know kind of relaxed watching these things and because just everyone looks so good it just everything just has such a um you know the set designs even something so simple like it's they got maybe an item on their dresser that looks you're just like gosh all these little little details it's so yeah. inspiring. it's very inspiring and covered covetable at the same time. I always feel like I want to get myself a smoking jacket or a lounge coat yeah. sort of thing. And just some, you know, I've got the I, slippers, but maybe that's what I'm going to sort of aspire to maybe one day. And, it, and it's, it's a horrible thing to say, but they, it's even like with the, the uh, I don't, I've never smoked, but, you know, something like with the, the um, cigarette holders. Is, yeah. is really like, and I said there was, there were three Humphrey Bogart films on the, um, the other day on one, of, I think it was on Sonny Classic, the new, there's a new channel, something classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there's something so <laughs> elegant about when, you know, Humphrey Bogart lights a cigarette for, like, Elizabeth Scott or <laughs> Lauren McCall's or you're just going, gosh, I've never smoked, but, God, that looks good. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. They almost, go on a, they almost seem like they go on a course to be able to do it properly. Yeah. You know, suave, yeah. yeah. Because now, obviously, they can't show things like that. On, but back then, it just... I know it's a horrible thing to say because obviously smoking's like a not a nice habit, but it's when you're watching it just it fits the era. It absolutely. It's of its time and, and still yeah. I think you can get away with saying things like it does look a bit cool. But it, I mean you can't really say the same for Queen of the Damned, or can you? Well <laughs> let, let's get into it. I mean well, it's, yeah. It's a fear. A fear that turns to horror. The irresistible vampire Lestat. A presence so powerful. It has awakened an ancient evil. Akasha. Queen of the Damned. She takes pleasure in only one thing. Destroying life. Human and immortal alike. Let her come. Come out, come out, wherever you are. I've come to give you the world. We are the powerful. We should walk fearless in the open. The start has joined with Akasha. 
is lost to us now. Step aside. Never. Join me or die. All she wants is hell on earth. We must fight Akasha. Queen of the Damned. Come out, come out, wherever you are. There's lots to talk about with Queen of the Damned. Um, what is it initially that kind of uh, draws you to this movie? When you, something that you would you know, pluck out and say, look, you know, this, is, this is worth seeing against all the maybe the critical advice. <laughs> um, well, like many women <laughs> who were born in the 80s, I kind of came of age with the, the Vampire Chronicles and, Van, and Anne Rice books. Mm. Um, and so I read a lot of Anne Rice books when I was growing up. I was, I was like, you know, the Vampire Chronicles, which is an eye-opener. So mm. um, don't, you know, forget. I mean, it puts, it makes Fifty Shades of, like, kids stuff. You, you, okay. just, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. And she did the Mayfair Witches series. But I was always very much, especially when I was, like, 15 you know, and on was um, the Vampire Chronicles. So I had um, obviously seen Interview with a Vampire and then I, I think that was around the time I'd started the books. So I was a massive fan of the book that this was based on before I had seen the film. Mm. Um, and I just, I was, I've always been, I liked these characters. I liked this kind of world that Anne Rice had created. Mm even though this is very different from the book, I must say. Certain bits, they retain certain little bits. But if you've seen, obviously, Interview the Vampire, Interview the Vampire is this very kind of opulence-looking film. It looks very expensive. They got, um, it looks like, you know, the, the cast is an A-list cast. It's dripping with, like, jewels and velvet and decadence. And obviously that's largely because of the, the era which the film was set. And this is not, it is a little bit, but mm. it's not like that because this is set. Um, the book was based in, the book was written in 1988, but this, the film came out in 2002. So obviously it's set in the, the early noughties, the 2000s. Mm. And um, it's very much the era of new metal. And yes. um, it has a very, very new metal feel. The soundtrack is so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, the soundtrack's amazing. I recommend anyone, check everyone checks out the soundtrack because it was written by Jonathan Davis, Davis of Korn. And even yeah. though he couldn't sing, even though he makes a, a cameo in the film, he, he couldn't sing the songs, obviously, because of his contract and, and things. Yeah. And, song. and so the songs are really good. And it fits because in the film you have uh, the vampire Lestat who you had seen previously as Tom Cruise. In this case, it's Stuart Townsend. And he's like awoken from this slumber by the sounds of this rock music being played, which is like a local band in, in New Orleans. And it's like, I'm going to join your group because he's fame hungry. In other words, it's very much, he wants to be known. He doesn't believe vampires should stay in the shadows and be secretive. He thinks vampires should be out there. And he basically just wants to bring out the dead, so to speak. 
Um, you show and them, show yourselves is kind of his, his, yeah, kind of yeah, his motto, out, call to arms, yeah. yeah. Come yeah. out, come out wherever you are. Yeah. Um, and it culminates with like, a, he just wants basically to put on a massive concert in Death Valley, a kind of vampire Coachella, yeah. and um, have them all <laughs> Which I must out. say, it, it, this, this uh, large rock concert, which, which, which all kicks off uh, at the end of the movie, has yeah. the worst parking attendance uh, situation. It's, and it's, great, one, it? <laughs> one of the things I, I wrote down, and the stupid things that I noticed, <laughs> is the fact that there's a convoy of cars that just in one line, and there's mm. no there's no parking. They just they just stop and get out and walk well, towards. Well, not them are vampires, so obviously they fly. In the film. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> new cars. So yeah. it's, it's, I yeah, just thought it's logistically, like, it's a nightmare. Yeah, I feel that that final bit is not the best part of the film. No. It, it goes off in its own like eight directions by the end. Um, and that's largely because the book really is in six parts. You can say it's a six part. And obviously they've tried to cram so much into this 97 minute film. It's a short film. Yeah. And, you know, it could have been maybe better as a, either a series or even another half an hour would have maybe fleshed it out a little yeah. bit more. It gets by the end of it. I'm confused, and I'm like, "What?" Yeah. And I've, I've seen this one so often, and still, the end of it, it does lose so many threads. But until that is very fun, and I yeah. think it, it's very high camp, high <laughs> whatever they want to call it. It's just, it's a, it's good fun. It's it's a good fun vampire film with surprisingly little gore. Yeah, they do. Even the uh, the, the blood sucking moments have, are played down. Um, yeah. There's not. There's no real blood and guts. There's. A, I mean, even when I think uh, a lot of the vampires do uh, croak it, they they do have the burning kind of sequence, which is quite. I guess it's quite a trope for sort of vampires, obviously. But even that's done quite quite mildly. I know the special effects aren't aren't great at all, but I mean. They are. It is dialed down. I, I, I think the rating it's got is quite harsh because it, it, apart from sort of these the sexiness of it all, which is really all geared towards uh, Stuart Townsend's character. Really, he's he's great, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he plays it very well, and he's almost born to play the role. I, I don't know if he was trying to do a cross between Brandon Lee and The Crow. Yeah. We and cross with Michael Hutchins from In Excess. Yeah, yeah. I feel he was, and he he does a very good job. I mean, because he's very much some of the out, some of the costumes. I'm like, yeah, that's straight from the crow. But yeah, he's he plays it really well. And I think in obviously he's a completely different the stat that you see in interview because it's the closest the closer version of Lestat you get to the books mm. because it's his story he's telling the thing obviously in interview it isn't Lestat telling the story and I always thought it was a more accurate kind of thing um consistent see why consistently in the as well when you you read the following book and the following book and following book mm. um but I think it's a shame that for the film, it it was of it obviously it's it's known as well for being a liar's last film. Obviously, she died shortly afterwards, tragically, and so it has that kind of eeriness to it, a bit like again the crow, because obviously. But I do, I think it's a shame because her character Akasha has who is 
the, the, the queen of the dam that obviously the film is about, mm. she doesn't get a lot of screen time. Yeah. And I think that's, a, that's very much a shame because they could have used her a lot more in the film and given her more to do because she is a big part of the story, but you don't see that in the film. It's almost like they knew they wanted the character to be front and centre, but they just didn't know how to to, to work it into the storyline, which is odd mm-hmm. considering it came straight from the film. And I guess that's what you're saying about it, maybe having an extra 30, 40 minutes to play mm-hmm. with. Um, she's not introduced until a, a good hour. I was sitting watching it thinking, where's the Queen? Was this her first acting role? No, she had done uh, Romeo Must Die. Right, before, okay. Which is the film as well. Yeah. yeah, and it's criminal, really, how underused she is, and 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 what, well, I guess what she does do is quite interesting, and she's obviously she's a force, um, mm. and you know her plans are to, to to rule the world and the vampires, and with the help of obviously with Lestat being the king on the throne next to her, and obviously she's she's deceived and uh, betrayed by him ultimately because well she's mm-hmm. going too far. Is that uh, the premise mm-hmm. of the plot? comes kind together of, yeah. yeah well she is the oldest one she is like the the, the highest of the bloodline so yeah. she um obviously she has this supreme power over over everyone and you kind of see her use it a little bit mm. but you don't see her use it to her greatest potential because yeah there's there's just a lot more they could done with her and and the, because Anne Rice books are very wordy as well and I feel that they don't give her i'm not i'm not going to be you know counting lines of dialogue or <laughs> furthest thing from that but um yeah they, they just could have given her a little bit more to do i feel mm. with the character you know because a bit more of her backstory a bit more why you know why doing this and i know and she just seems a bit more tyrannical in the in the film than the screenplay is is very ploddy isn't it i mean it, yeah. i know I yeah, yeah i mean it's very on the nose i mean there, there isn't really a great deal of dialogue that isn't looked like it was difficult to write or conceive or put to put on put pen to yeah. paper and it, it serves a purpose you know to move the, the move move the film along and to get the, to, to get to the, the 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 climax of the movie which is the showdown i think is where the money's gone isn't it on this big stage where the vampires are have this kind of weird, what like phasing kind of movement. It's weird. It's a bit like in Doctor Strange when his, they're pushed from the body. That's yes, kind of, yes. Like that, isn't it? It reminds me of that. It's like your corporealness is. Yeah. Is, the action scene. Well, there's a couple. I mean, they're not that that, that good, but they they are very um, clunky. Uh, the, yeah. the fight the fight scene on the on the big stage where everyone's enjoying this massive vampire yeah. fight is quite amusing. I think I think probably for the wrong reasons. But the, the, some of the special moves that uh, Lestat does are quite impressive. He's got like a little uh, few uh, kung fu moves that he does, and uh, Vincent Perez, who plays that Marius he character, he's fantastic. Quite, yeah, totally. Because you can't believe that was. His character was Antonio Banderas previously um, oh. in interview. Yeah, same oh. character. Yeah, changes right. the game. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what? I didn't even know. And I've seen that movie twice, and I would not even yeah. be. I wouldn't even pick him out as being yeah. in that movie. Wow. Because yeah, it's strange, isn't it? That yeah. you just seen. But I think Vincent Perez does a great job, and I think he really has a fun time. And I think he just. 
I think obviously there's in in vampire books. Obviously, there's a lot of homoeroticism, but I think yeah. it's high camp. He is very campy yeah. <laughs> um, in the best way. He's you know, um, and he looks like he's enjoying himself a lot. He doesn't look kind of too bogged down with the the material. He just looks like yeah, this is um, this is a paycheck. I'm having fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Paul but, McGann um, is in this as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, and he's kind of part of this sect called the Tanamaska, and they they investigate kind of paranormal activity. And he's a he's a fanboy, a Marius fanboy. Yeah, he's <laughs> um, quite nice because and and it's funny when Marius sees him and says, "Oh, I've got a new painting to show you." <laughs> I <laughs> think that's so funny because yeah. um, he's he's just like obsessed with this with this vampire who he's been tra- you know tracking all his life because he keeps seeing him in different paintings and knows he's like he thinks obviously um, he's the oldest vampire in the world. He pre- mm. what's it four four hundred BC? I think something like that. But there's Marguerite Monroe as well who I first knew as, as uh, Connie from the Mighty Ducks trilogy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then there's a, a side, well, not a side, because there's like six sides of this film um, with her family that you don't really see enough of, like when she's yeah. And that's a whole thing as well. That's like a whole other book, but obviously yeah. you, don't, you don't really get enough of that. So. No, that, that I found that very confusing. I, I yeah. kind of thought, oh, what well, uh, I don't get it, but yeah. it's, yes, I say there's this tangents that this 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 threads and and scenes that don't really go anywhere. What I enjoyed, okay, about this movie, which was I wasn't expecting, is as you say, the high campness is fun, and that that whole kind of vampire uh, genre does that. You can't really go wrong if you put that kind of thing on camera. So. What seals it for me is is Stuart Townsend, who is this kind of um, Marilyn Manson esque character, yeah. and you can and cross between uh, you know the doors and and as you say, lots of other. Even there's a bit of Mick Jagger in there, the swagger yeah. and all that, and and you can totally believe that. Although it's kind of unbelievable how he gets this garage band to become world dominating rock stars in in i don't know what kind of space time it takes but you can believe that there would actually be hordes of fans that would actually lap this kind of thing up in the real world because it, it... I, I am i am guilty i probably would yeah. myself <laughs> because obviously like the obviously um it was a sort of exactly kind of music I kind of I used when especially when I was like twenty. This came yeah. This came out when I was twenty, and when I was you know I used to go to these kind of clubs myself. So it's obviously I you watching this, and I think I would fall for this. So I yeah, would, yeah, yeah, because there is an element of like you can't help but be seduced by what, even though that you know they're, they're meant to be messages in the songs and all these you know things that yeah. he's is giving out codes to the vampire world in his songs, but just he is exactly the sort of front man that you just like. Yeah, I would go to you know not not go to Death Valley. That's a di- that's a different thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, totally. Because as I said, the soundtrack's great, and I it's the sort of soundtrack you can just put on and go. Yeah, this is still good, and it, it's it's still a very good soundtrack. But the new but metal, the new metal yeah. thing, I was into as well. I mean, I I. 
I'm an old school metaler and uh, uh, progressed onto all sorts of different types of music. But this, when this kind of genre was kicking off and you had all these sort of bands that were doing some quite different and exciting things, this captures that that time, I think, brilliantly. Yeah. But what I what I would disagree with though is I think I think I don't think that music's particularly aged well, personally. I think it's a nostalgia trip. Yeah, yeah. Very much. And I think even though some of the songs haven't aged brilliantly, I think yeah. I don't know, but it's still a it, it's a flashback. It's definitely of course. A, a flashback. It's it's like a time bubble. It's it's in its own its own era. Yeah. Um I mean, there was there's a great there's a great line. I think it's even like a, obviously alludes to that because there's one bit when um, in the stat says to Marius, he says, "I can't how did, how on earth did you make it through the what was it the fifties wearing red velvet?" That's right. <laughs> Something yeah. like that because obviously Marius hasn't updated his his look. He's still <laughs> walking <laughs> yeah. around in these regal robes. And He's sticking to his guns, isn't he? Sticking to his guns, he's an old, old, older vampire tradition. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he, at least he didn't have to spray paint his trousers on like uh, that does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think it's nice the way they kind of contrasted the the two worlds. Well, and, and it's like the worlds within the the vampiric world as well, because that's the thing. It's again, it's like you, you know, sell your soul for rock and roll, but he already has it. You know, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so, got no. Uh, he, He's got nothing to worry about in that respect. No, no. So do you think, um, do you think because it's like pre, pre-Twilight sort of um, post-Buffy kind of, it, it kind of is in that the perfect time of, as well I, as think, I think some of the charm of this film is because it's, it's, it's come out in that, that little buffer or that little, air, that little air period of time where they, we were waiting for the next big vampire craze, which was Twilight. Possibly. I mean, you can't really, I think, you know, you can't really go wrong with like anything vampires because, you know, um, Buffy was, was great. And Buffy and Angel were just like fantastic, obviously. Mm. I, I think that this still actually has quite a lot of like people I know, they still really like, like this one. But I don't know if it's a certain film that appeals more to a certain age demographic, obviously. Mm. Um, people in their 30s and above because obviously we grew up with this well when we were younger this was our kind of music our kind of scene as it were <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah definitely we're out of it. but um yeah I think possibly because there is an element of you know you've got the you know the vampires fighting their own battles and you know but in this one especially you've got the the mingling with the human worlds as well and the humans you want to know more about the vampires and possibly become of that world which you know they went into more with twilight but um i think anne rice really she's i don't she kind of set a path in many ways for a lot of the vampire pop culture we we see now yeah Um, isn't isn't there a an element of plagiarism, do you think, with Twilight and this these series, this books? No, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, she's very, very protective of her work. She's mm. very protective. I mean, there was things with interview that she wasn't really wasn't happy about. Um, at first, she really didn't like the idea of Tom Cruise playing, you know, Lestat and. Um, she wanted like Brad Pitt to play the stats and she was like, well, they don't listen to me. 
And then with Queen of the Damned, I think she actually said um, they haven't been receptive to me or to my ideas and things like that. Um, mm. They just weren't. I think she want, she would have probably liked a little bit more input, but I don't know how it works in terms of rights and plagiarism and things like that. I think, though, with vampires, I mean, it was like True Blood. I think this was as well, because when the True Blood came out, this is quite True Blood-ish. In yes, some yeah, yeah. And True Blood, again, it was fun. It was that kind of, you know, Southern, because all, obviously all a lot of, well, most of Anne Rice's work is set in New Orleans. And so you have this kind of Southern Gothic element mm. layer to it on top of the supernatural. Um, so, and I think that it's fun sometimes the way they defer or they, or they reference these works in the, in um, the, the program or, or the, or the, film at hand i think it was i can't remember what film it was it might have been in buffy oh yeah that was it there's a line in buffy um when spike said to angel oh people are still falling for this old Anne rice routine oh brilliant and i thought that was so good mm. because they do you know reference or or like the these films and these this work and i just think it's nice when they do that because obviously they're all in the same universe if if you want to call it that yeah, it's like a, a little wink to everything that's gone before, and then everyone can, you know, it's a, it's a genre that's got, it's got legs. Yeah. It's going to run and run and run a bit like you know the zombie, zombie genre film that we 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 have now. It's just you know people may be getting a little bit tired of it now, but they seem to be trying to find new and different ways to present it on screen. And I think yeah. they'll do the same with the vampire lore and and all the uh, all the kind of literature and everything that surrounds it most recent sort of vampire thing I watched on TV was the uh, Mark Gattis and uh, mm. written well, Dracula, which I thought was very well put together until maybe the last episode, which went all a bit I funny. watched it because I was going to watch it and, you know, I usually like everything Mark Gattis does and I didn't start it for some reason. And then I'd heard, as you said about the, final episode not being great and i was yeah. a little bit put off so um the first two episodes would say would be are, are fantastic viewing they are brilliant and then it just loses its way on the third episode and i, I don't think i even finished it which is sad but I, I i should have at least given the courtesy to to watch the final sort of you know 25 minutes or so but the first two episodes are superb television. I must say, I was so impressed. It's gory and it's funny. Uh, does something a little bit different, too different, but it's just a very nice way of presenting it. And it's written, as you would expect, like a, um, an episode of Sherlock Holmes. It's got that tone to it. But anyway, do you think vampires and humans can exist together harmoniously? Well, I think it would be tricky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what we do in the shadow. Yeah. something like that it could be because as that program has shown that it's like there's such a thing as energy vampires oh gosh <laughs> like, yeah that was great um he was sometimes more um troublesome and more threatening yeah the, exactly. uh, well we know it. i think we can all say oh, we, we, we know, know at least several of those people yeah, in their lives definitely and i think they they were the bigger <laughs> bigger problem but i don't know i think it's <laughs> This thing keeps me awake at night, you see, Sabina. I, I can't sleep just thinking about it. Look at Blade, who's the daywalker. So maybe they could if they had if they had their if we 
if there was a whistler who could make the serum on hand and keep yeah. them the bloodlust at bay, yeah. then they'd really be vampires with them. Well, I mean, look at an angel, who knows? Fingers crossed is all I can say. Is there anything else that you would want to, to say about this camp classic? that I'm going to call it from now on. I just, no, just, just go and watch it. It's fun. It's not perfect, but it's just a very, it's just, it goes quickly. So it's not going to drag out and pain you forever. It's not, it doesn't like go on for two hours or something. It's just a fun little film with a great soundtrack. Yeah. So very good. If you like, if you like Marilyn Manson and Disturbed and Corn and all those boys, love this <laughs> yeah love i agree for, for exactly for the, for the music and and tight trousers and nipple rings it's it's definitely a worth a watch <laughs> yeah. yeah one of the first notes i wrote down sabina was on, on my list of things was nipple ring because you get a very very vivid close-up of a the, the punk, uh, nipple ring i just thought this is the tone okay this is setting it, the tone it, right that, now it's the perfect tone isn't it <laughs> just, just that that opening shot of Stuart townsend just languishing on a speaker yes <laughs> Oh, good. It's fantastic. So it's just, yeah, then when you see that, you're just like, yes, this is a good film. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to say thank you so much for coming on, on the show, Into the Bunker, rather, and, and uh, defending the honour of this <laughs> Queen of the Damned. I think it's been, it's been great fun talking about it and a good fun watch as well. Yes. Thank so, you. Thank you, Samuel. For the listeners, could you tell us where we can find you online on your Twitter handles and things? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Sabina Stent. Um, my website's Sabina Stent as well, but you can just, I post most stuff to Twitter anyway, so just go find me there. And talk to me if you've seen the film, because I want to I wanna like see how many people I get to watch this. Yeah, well, we do often get some feedback on Twitter when, when, when we've had the guests on, that, that people say yes, or they say, what? What the hell are you thinking? <laughs> I expect I'll be. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks again and I hope we speak to you soon. Thank you. Thanks a lot. If we were to draw a graph of my process of my method, something like this. Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian, action. Wizard, you shall not pass! Cut! Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian. Great interview, Chris. I know. It was fantastic to have uh, Sabina on to defend the honour of this, this gothic camp flick. I wonder if they'll ever make any more Anne Rice books into films. They definitely will. They've got to because it's such a mineable subject and mineable material because everyone loves vampires, don't they? They are sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you like the podcast, um, please do leave a review. uh, Give us a a star rating and let us know what you think as well. tell your friends also we're on social media and you but you can yep. get all those links from our website address which is matthew it's uh, just our name moviebunkerpodcast.com so i guess uh, until the next time we chat matthew have a good isolation time thanks mate um the bunker's really paying for itself right now yeah bunker down and out cheerio <laughs> Bye.